It was a wacky, wild, upset-filled weekend in the WNBA. We're going to look back at all of it, look ahead to the final week of the regular season, and even touch on some travel issues. It's the Locked On Women's Basketball Podcast. Let's go. You are Locked On Women's Basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Yes, hello and welcome. You are listening to the Locked On Women's Basketball. I'm Alex Simon. I'm the editor at the Bay Area News Group on the sports desk over there. I'm filling in this day, at least, for Howard Magdal to kick off us off on a Monday morning Boy, has it been an interesting week in the women's basketball world and especially this past weekend. But first, we want to thank you for making Locked On Women's Basketball your first listen every day. And remember that Locked On Women's Basketball is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube, where you can watch this video, but you can listen to it on Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcasts. Coming up today, my goodness, what a weekend in the WNBA, you guys. We're going to be looking into that. We're going to take a chance, second to go through what's up ahead with the rest of this week. It should be a fascinating time. And yes, because the, it is a day that ends at Y, the WNBA, we have some travel issues to go over as well. So what happened this weekend? Boy, what didn't happen this weekend in the WNBA? We came into the second to last weekend with all sorts of fun and entertaining and exciting action set to go for everything in the league. Starting on Friday night, we had a thriller down in Atlanta in the South. The Los Angeles Sparks go down looking like they desperately need to win that game to not just help their playoff odds, but maybe potentially hurt Atlanta as a team they're chasing for the 7-8 seed. Atlanta ends up pulling out a buzzer-beating two-point win, a nice little inbounds pass to Cheyenne Parker, beats Neka Gumake on the baseline, lays it up and in. Then with 0.3 seconds left, Sparks get the inbound pass to Neka, who turns around, hits the turnaround jumper, but with 0.3, she caught it, brought the ball down, and went up for the shot. With 0.3, you basically got enough time to catch and throw it at the hoop. Unfortunately for Neka, she did a little more than that. No good. Basket does not count, and here we are with a dream win that has them sitting in playoff position. The Mystics went into Chicago. The Sky pretty much handled an Elena Deladon-less Mystics, setting up what looked like would be a very interesting Saturday. The Dallas Wings really rolling recently. They've been playing a lot without Arike Agumboale, and Arike is back. Everybody's thinking, all right, this is great. They have the Indiana Fever in town. Perhaps this should be something pretty simple. And the Fever stormed out to an early lead on the Arike full Dallas Wings. And then Arike gets hurt in, in the second half, and all of a sudden the Wings start to charge back. And by the end of regulation, the Wings have been having the lead. But the Fever force overtime, and in overtime it is Dallas that pulls away. The Wings are now up to 16-16 and 16 as we record here Monday morning on what for me is the West Coast, but it's still Monday morning even on the East Coast. By the time you're listening to this, it might be Monday afternoon. We'll get to kind of the wings in our second segment and in a bit of our look ahead. But the other team, and the team the wings are going to face twice this week in Dallas, the New York Liberty, seem like all opportunities were there. Liberty had one back-to-back against LA on Tuesday and Wednesday in New York. They were flying out with a couple of days off to get to Phoenix. And before the game, we find out the Mercury are missing 
Skylar Diggins-Smith with a non-COVID illness. Diana Taurasi misses her second straight game with a quad injury. On top of already not having Brittany Griner, on top of already still not having Kia Nurse, who remains out with her torn ACL, it looks like she's not going to play at all in the regular season at this point. What she could potentially play in the playoffs remains up in the air. It's a little mysterious in Phoenix with that right now. No Diana, no Skyler. It looked, everything looked like it was going to be in the Liberty's favor, but Phoenix came out like a team that knew it had a mission. And even with only really playing five players for the majority of the game, I mean, the minute counts for the starting lineup, which for this game was Sophie Cunningham, Diamond DeShields, Shea Petty, Brianna Turner, and Jenny Sims. My goodness, what a performance from that group. All five grabbed at least seven rebounds. In fact, Sims, DeShields, and Cunningham each grab eight. DeShields leads all scorers with 25 points. Petty adds 20 of her own. Cunningham drops 18. And the Liberty just could not buy a basket from three-point range. Seven for 32 from three. 21 for 68 for a 30.9% from the field in total. And yeah, seven for 32 is 22% from three point. And the Phoenix Mercury get a vital win, a win that had they lost the game, they would have been sitting at 13 and 20 tied with LA and Minnesota. And had New York won the game, it would have been a a, a game between them plus the lost tiebreaker. It, It could have been a disaster for the Mercury. And instead it looks like a really big win for a team that, for as bad as the record has been, they actually have a very solid home performance record this season. They're now 10-5 and five at home. They have three home games left, two against teams that they're fighting for in this playoff bracket between Minnesota and Dallas before the reigning champion Chicago Sky come in for a final rematch and the only time they're playing in Phoenix this season. So that should be an interesting game on Sunday. So we get to Sunday. And this Sunday looked like there was going to be some fascinating matchups, two games on ABC. And by the day, as the day went on, the storylines kept building and building. The Sun-Sky matchup was a thriller. Chicago gets out to an early lead. Connecticut fights back, and it's just a great basketball game throughout the entire second half. But in the end, Chicago is who pulls away. Candace Parker gets up to 600 career blocks and does it with just a sensational defensive effort for her. Candace on the day. 18 points, 12 rebounds, and that block, which was one of two she had on the day. The Sky win 94 to 91 and create that extra little bit of separation between them and Connecticut. It's essentially locked up the number, the top two seed for the Sky. They're still two games ahead of Vegas because Vegas ended up winning, but they. And we'll get to them in a second here. But the Sky basically at this point with three games to go are two up on Las Vegas and three up on Connecticut. They've essentially assured themselves of a top two seed. It looks like it would be very difficult for them to not even get the number one seed. They'll have home court advantage at least through the second round, if not all the way through the WNBA finals. In the other big game on ABC... It was Sue Bird's final home game in Seattle after 21 seasons. Also, the final home game for Brienne January in the regular season. Maybe the final home game for Brianna Stewart in Seattle. Especially after the result, people were probably wondering, is this the case? The Storm really did play what I thought was a solid game, but Las Vegas is just really good right now, and they are rolling What an offensive performance from Vegas, especially on a day where they only shot 7 of 27 from three-point land. 
They really did a, play a tight, crisp game. Only five turnovers on the game for Las Vegas. They end up taking an 89-81 to 81 win. I mean, just look at the stat lines. Kia Stokes ends up getting a surprise start as the Aces shift D.I.R. Kahambi to the bench. It sounds like that might be a move they do going forward. But out, even though Stokes only took one shot, she grabbed nine rebounds, was very important, I feel like, to what they wanted to pull in 28 minutes. But listen to the stat lines for the other starters. Jackie Young, 15 points, six assists in 38 minutes. Kelsey Plum, 16 points, four assists in 32 minutes. Chelsea Cray, 15 points, nine rebounds, excuse me, nine assists, six rebounds in 32 minutes. And one of the two MVP candidates in this game, Asia Wilson, 29 points on 13 of 24 shooting, plus six rebounds to go with it. What an effort from Wilson. By the way, the other MVP candidate in this game, Brianna Stewart, did all that she could on a day, especially a day that Jewel Lloyd only scored one point. Sue Bird was one of five from three. Stewie did everything she could. 10 of 18 from the field, four of five from three, 11 of 15 from the free throw line to add up to 35 points and 10 rebounds. Only Tina Charles was in double figures other than Stewie for the storm. You got to wonder what's going on with Jewel Lloyd. She's had a couple of interesting games recently. I still really believe in her, but that's got to be at least a slight bit concerning if you're Phoenix, if you're Seattle, because she's had games, you know, against Atlanta earlier this month, last month, excuse me. She only scored six points in a game. She has this one point effort against Vegas. You wonder if maybe there's quite a bit of the offense that they can distribute around by bringing Tina Charles in and if that can impact. We are going to take a break because of the fact that two of the things looking ahead happened in the other two games from Sunday. But before we talk about what happened in D.C. and Minnesota, let me talk to you about Built Bar. You know, it's early in the morning on a Monday morning here, and I'm trying to think about how do I get energized? How do I get ready to start my day? What's the things that I need to get to get active and be ready to go on a Monday? And then I was thinking about it and Built Bar, you know, it's a protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. It does all of the things that you want in terms of putting good, healthy, nutritious things into your body while giving you a taste that feels like something that you want to put in, that feels like a treat for your body. If you go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKED15, you'll get 15% off of your next order. And specifically, if you do this with the Locked On Women's Basketball Podcast being the thing that led you there, if you tell them Howard's mom, Grandma Myrna sent you, that usually helps us out in that way. So Built Bar, go to Built.com, use the promo code excuse me, go to builtbar.com, use the promo code LOCK15, tell them Grandma Myrna sent you. So when we look back at Sunday, there's two big stories. I'm actually going to go to the later one first, because in Minnesota, Nafisha Collier came back, and boy, does this potentially change things for the Lynx. It was a very wild Sunday in terms of kind of how things were looking, because on Saturday, Lynx head coach Cheryl Reeve basically said, no, she's not playing. We're not going to worry about her till Wednesday. And then a story comes out in The Athletic that, no, Nafisha's not only playing, she's starting. And Sloan Martin, who does some excellent work as the Lynx sideline reporter and really just being an awesome person up in Minnesota, was saying, actually, Cheryl had said this yesterday. Nafisha wasn't really with the starters. But with Ariel Powers out, it basically became, yeah, like if Nafisha was ready, we were going to use her. And on a tight minutes count, Nafisha only played 21 minutes, but did start for the day. And so she goes 21 minutes, six points on two of seven shooting. Certainly somebody who looked like 
yeah, they're 10 and a half weeks off of giving birth to somebody and hasn't, haven't played basketball in more than a year at this point, which uh, look, I couldn't tell you about that process myself, but all I can say is what a fabulous performance. And especially one where even just by playing at all, it could, it gives Minnesota a lift that, yeah, it could be better on the court, but that's, you take whatever you can get and hope for the best. And look, this is a Minnesota team that came into the effort 12 and 20 and probably needing to get all the way up to 16 wins in order to finish the season. You look at what they have left. They go to Phoenix, they host Seattle, they're at Connecticut. They probably have to win at least two, if not all three of those games to get into the playoffs with the way other things have worked out. It's tough to see them making the playoffs at anything less than 15 wins, borderline impossible. But also they kind of need to get maybe all the way to 16 to really have a shot here. Having Nafisha back certainly seems like that would be the thing that helps. They then get two days to kind of rest, recover, recuperate, and get ready. Before we get to the final story of this Sunday that leads into this week, those Los Angeles Sparks that I thought when they lost the game to Atlanta on Friday, you know what, that's going to be it. That's really their season. They've They at that point had dropped to 12 and 20. It was looking very difficult. They still have a difficult schedule, of course, after Sunday. But Sunday, they were at the Mystics. They still have two games against the Sun. I was like, you know what? I'm not sure this is going to be a thing for them. Boy, did they shock me. And on a relatively speaking poor night for the Mystics, Elaine Deladon, who had sat out for rest on Friday and didn't make the trip to Chicago, goes 2 of 12 in 28 minutes, 8 points, 8 rebounds, but... A little underwhelming. A nice effort from Shakira Austin, the rookie, 16 points on 6-9 and nine shooting, 10 rebounds. But the Sparks, my goodness, what an effort from them, especially on a day where they didn't shoot the ball too often or too well from three-point line. You get 15 points from Neka Agumake, 15 from Katie Lou Samuelson, 21 from Brittany Sykes. You also get 11 with 12 assists from Jordan Canada. Lexi Brown with a nice 10 points off the bench. The Sparks get a relatively speaking, shocking win that they desperately needed to try to be able to be in the playoff hunt still. They are currently sitting at 13 and 20. And so as we break down kind of the 6 through 11 group, Dallas has essentially locked up a playoff spot. It's a little still up in the air as to what that means, and it would take quite a bit of effort for them to not make the playoffs. They would essentially have to lose four straight games for the most part. However, three of those games are against the teams they're directly competing against for the 8-9 matchup. But with LA at 20 losses, Minnesota at 20, New York, Phoenix, and Atlanta all at 19, and Dallas currently sitting at 16 and 16 before they play their first of two against the Liberty tonight, Dallas should be able to rest easy knowing that all you got to do is win one game and you're in the playoffs. If Even if you don't win any games, other things could work out in your favor where you might make the playoffs anyway, given the head-to-head matchups, but all it takes is one win for Dallas. In that rest of the group, Atlanta's week is at the Las Vegas Aces before a home and home. They play in Atlanta on Friday, and then they travel to the New York Liberty on Sunday for the season finale. Those Liberty, like I said, they're at Dallas tonight, Monday, August 8th, before they play a second game against Dallas on Wednesday. Then that aforementioned home and home in Atlanta on Friday, back in Brooklyn on Sunday. The Sparks do get to go home. Both them and the Mercury are home for the rest of the season. 
For the Sparks, it's two home games against the Connecticut Sun and a home game against the Dallas Wings. For the Mercury, it's home for Minnesota, home for Dallas, home for Chicago. And Minnesota, as I've mentioned, at Phoenix, home for Seattle, at Connecticut. Boy, it has been a wild roller coaster through these last couple of weeks with these six teams. Dallas has kind of started to distance itself a tiny bit, both in on-court play and just by winning the games. But when you see them kind of struggle with the fever, it does raise questions in terms of playoff spots. Are they going to be a team that you really think challenges come the playoffs for the top level? Is Are any of these teams good enough to maybe pull off an upset in the first round? It would require winning a game on the road before you get your home game three to potentially finish off a higher seed. I'm not even sure I trust any of these teams to force a game three and get the trip back home, which we will have to wait and see on. But this week in particular, once we get through Monday, all of these teams will have three games left before we get matchups on Tuesday for Atlanta and Los Angeles, Wednesday for Dallas, New York, Minnesota, and Phoenix. So as we enter Thursday, when we once again have Los Angeles playing, we'll we'll pretty quickly have a couple of days here where we're like every team is at the same number of games and make this very simple that way. When you look at the top of the standings, this Washington loss to Los Angeles really hurts. They have two games left against the Fever, and they were sitting at 20 and 13 entering Sunday, knowing that you had those two games left against the Fever. If you take care of your business there, you would essentially get to 23 wins, and Seattle's schedule was brutal. They did, the Storm, just take the tiebreaker over Washington if they finish tied. But Seattle already has lost to Vegas. They still play at the Sky in Chicago on Tuesday. They're at Minnesota, a team that will be playing in Sylvia Fowles' last home game, let alone the return of Nafisha Collier for potentially her third game. There's just a lot that could happen that night, and you know Minnesota is going to want to desperately try to keep its playoff hopes alive in the last regular season home game for fouls. And then Seattle finishes with a Sunday game against the Aces. I could still see them losing another game, maybe even another two. But if you were Washington, if you don't lose this game to now drop to 20 and 14 behind the 20 and 14 that the Storm are, you are pretty much in the driver's seat. All you do is you take care of your business against Indiana and Seattle just has to lose one of its three games this week. And you're in the four seat ahead of them. Now, even if you take care of business, Seattle can go two and one this week, have the tiebreaker over you, and now you have to go across the country for the first two games of the first round to Seattle. There is enough, there's a little bit of distance. So as we break down the top five seeds, Chicago, 25 and 8. Vegas is two back of them. Connecticut is a game back of Vegas before it's two back of Seattle. So it does seem like we're kind of getting our tiers here aligned with a week to go. Washington with only two games left. It's going to need to win both games and hope Seattle has a rough week in order to jump them and host the first two games of next round. I don't know for sure. Indiana has had some fight left in them, which you have to give them credit for as rough as it's been losing 16 in a row up to this point. They still have the two games left against the Mystics. Could we see an upset that really maybe hampers things? I'm not sure I would trust it, but it is worth it at least considering whether or not we should count out the Indiana fever up until this point. So with the Los Angeles Sparks, though, we saw reports overnight here. It's still early on the West Coast where I'm at and where the Sparks are flying back to. But the Sparks have only just, after playing a game that was in 
the early afternoon on the West Coast, midday on the East Coast. They were scheduled to fly home on Sunday night from Washington, D.C. to Los Angeles, and they had several issues getting on their flight. Their flight just outright got canceled by the end of the night after waiting up deep into the evening and probably past midnight on the East Coast. Neko Gumake, who is also, by the way, the president of the Players Association as their representative, was tweeting out videos saying half of the Los Angeles Sparks team actually was sleeping in the airport because the hotel was so crowded they weren't able to get everybody into a hotel room. The Sparks, apparently from tweets from players on the team, have been able to book board their flight this morning and should be back in Los Angeles later in the day here on Monday. But it's another issue, and it's only potentially going to become more of an issue as we get deeper and deeper into the playoffs. When you look ahead at the playoff schedule, you do have teams from all across the country that are going to be in this playoff run. We know for sure we'll have Seattle and Las Vegas from the West Coast. It's likely at least one team out of Dallas and Phoenix. Dallas should be in, I should say. You potentially have a third, like, far West Coast team in Phoenix making it. It. You also have teams like Connecticut, like potentially Atlanta, like D.C. None of these flights that could happen are going to be short. And while there's certainly some environmental issues when it comes to private chartered travel, it's a standard that people don't consider very heavily as anything but the normal in men's professional sports leagues, especially in the Men's National Basketball Association. The NBA travels charter pretty much every game that they go to, and you have to wonder, what is it for now that we're going to see come the playoff times for the WNBA? We've already been told by Commissioner Kathy Engelbert that the league is going to help make sure that there's charter flights for the finals. But as you get closer and later into the rounds, if you look ahead at the playoff schedules, you would even have some turnarounds that are rather tight by the time you get into the semifinals. There are some that are not, but then you have the potential difference between games four and five of the WNBA semifinals. If either series goes to a fifth game, you would be playing Tuesday night at the lower seeded team city and then Thursday night in the higher seeded team city for that to be the game right before the finals begin. Is there a possibility that we see charter flights pushed for those games were you to get there? Once you get into the finals, you have a very tight turnaround Tuesday to Thursday between games two and three. That is certainly what you would want a charter flight for when you only have a single day turnaround. So those teams can get there without some of the issues that you sometimes see traveling commercially. Same thing if that series did get to a fifth game, it is a Sunday likely Currently, at least, ESPN has it scheduled for a 3 p.m. Eastern noon tip for Game 4 of the Finals. If they were to turn around and get to a Game 5 of the WNBA Finals, that's scheduled for Tuesday, September 20th at 6 p.m., which would also be on ESPN, 6 p.m. West Coast time, 9 p.m. Eastern. So I would assume the charter flights would also be required for both teams to make sure they made it back in time. It is certainly a storyline that's only going to keep continuing to grow Howard Magdal here from the next, but when he wrote a story at Sports Illustrated, detailed all of the ways in which the New York Liberty decided to try to fix this, but also just say, you know, screw it. We're going to go ahead and fly charter ourselves during the 2021 season. The league fined them a reported $500,000. And Howard has said the Liberty had actually offered to put forth an accommodation to have themselves pay for the league to fly charter for multiple seasons, which the league did not decide to do. It is going to continue to be a story and could become a bigger story because 
what happens if a team is having issues getting between playoff games. It is kind of the mystery of the WNBA season and of the WNBA travel right now. It is certainly among an issue that this league will continue to have to monitor. And so seeing players report the issues, especially as everyone, by the way, not just WNBA players, but just general humans have issues with travel, but are general humans going as professional basketball players? And what is the standard for professional basketball players? We know what it is for the men's league that is at the highest level in the United States. And so it is a question as to whether the women's league in the United States at the top level wants to match that standard. It should be a fun and exciting week. Make sure you check out the next all week long and join us on playback. There's going to be a pretty fun little matchup that was already a sensational one in the commissioner's cup between the Las Vegas aces and the Chicago sky. That's coming on Thursday at 10 PM Eastern 7 PM Pacific out here on the West coast where Las Vegas is and where I am. We're going to actually be on playback. Jackie Powell and Isabel Rodriguez are going to be there. I'll probably stop by because I love to stop by those things and have some fun. So join us on playback to watch the sky and the aces. We're going to be on playback all throughout the playoffs. The schedule is soon to come. Thank you all for listening on this beautiful Monday morning. We hope you're excited for what should be a action-packed and really fun final seven days of the WNBA regular season. Sunday should just be a delight with all 12 teams playing. I'm Alex Simon. You can find me at Alex Simon Sports on Twitter. Follow all that I do there. And thank you all for joining us on this beautiful Monday morning. You are locked on women's basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.